What's up? This is David Rule, and welcome to Rule the World. It's the podcast where we discuss travel, photography, social media, and anything else this stupid head of mine can come up with. Today, I'm here with lifestyle photographer, meme maker, and the biggest Ben in all of British Columbia, Ben Prescott. What's up, dude? Not a whole lot. Yeah, so you guys just missed a solid, like, 40 minutes of Ben and I trying to figure out how to get this recording going, because he's right now driving from Vancouver to Chilliwack, where he lives, and we couldn't use my usual software, so yeah, that was a hassle, but we're here now. Yeah, so just so you know, we made it happen. (laughs) That's how important this is to us. Yeah, it's so information to share. (laughs) It's so important that the Ben Prescott took like 40 minutes to troubleshoot with me to finally get this going. But yeah, how's it going up in old Canada? Uh, Dude, it's going really well up here. Um, It's just turned to spring and got a lot of foggy days up here, which are by far my favorite thing to shoot. Oh, yeah. I live in the mountains, so. I don't really have to travel to be in the mountains. I can just step outside and there it is. So that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah I feel you. Here. Same here. It's just like backyard is so beautiful. It's like you don't even need to travel during this whole pandemic and everything. But yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That, that honestly helps. Like I feel bad for all our friends here in LA right now, you know, like Oh. They're supposed to be inside until the end of summer or something like that. Yeah, LA is a disaster. They just got to lock down until August or something like that. That's crazy. And New York. New York's even worse. They have an absurd number of corona cases. It's like 200,000 or something like that. But, yeah. You're kidding me. Actually, it was previously that. Let me see what it is right now. And, and I'm going to see if Wyoming still has the least corona. N- no, not 200,000. New York is now at 356,000. You're joking. And they've had 28,700 deaths today. Ah, uh, it's horrible. Oh, man. Wyoming got beat out by Alaska and Montana. <laughs> but we're, we're still down there. <laughs> I can confirm Wyoming has zero people, so... I don't even exist. I can't imagine. Yeah. I'm just a figment of imagine imagination. <laughs> Yeah, bro, and if I get corona and die, you'll cease to exist, so better keep society locked down so I stay alive. Wow, keep Ben alive so I continue to exist, but yeah, anyway, uh, Ben is a crazy, awesome, like, lifestyle, moody, fog photographer dude from Vancouver area, and I actually met him a couple summers ago. Um, I was interning with Origin Media in Jackson, and... I remember one day I was just working on something and I looked down at my phone and I got this It's Big Ben guy sliding into my DMs and I'm just like, what (laughs) the heck? Because, I mean, at the time I only had like, I don't know, one, two thousand followers or something and here this like, like worldwide known crazy adventure photographer is just in my DMs and he's just like, hey dude, I'm at McDonald's. Want to come have hamburgers with me? And I was just yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. This, and, that no joke actually happened like that. I was in Montana and my buddy Carl Shakur, what up Carl, said, 
I should go down to the Tetons and then I should hang out with his buddy David. I said, who's this David guy? And he's like, here's his photos. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's insane. And he showed me some of your guys' photos from the Wind River Range. Um, so, yeah, I came down to Wyoming. We had some cheeseburgers. And they're playing that <laughs> awful 1990s wildlife video <laughs> oh, on repeat. <laughs> yeah, if you go to McDonald's in Jackson, I'm pretty sure they've been playing the exact same, like, ni- 1980s documentary from Yellowstone on the TV in there. <laughs> For, yeah, like, it's like a, it's a bad screensaver. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was so cool, and I just walked over to McDonald's, uh, pounded some burgers with Big Ben, and then we cruised around in your van for a couple days, just exploring the Tetons and all. And then uh, one thing I loved about Ben is I feel like, unlike a lot of folks who, you know, just come hang out with me in the Tetons and leave. Like, most people just want me to show them all the cool spots, and then after that, like, don't give a crap about me anymore. But Ben, I, I don't know, I feel like he, like, really wanted to invest in me and, like, help me help me out with what I was doing and, like, kind of be a mentor, and that was so awesome. And then, you know, he came back to Wyoming the next winter, and we went on a snow machine ride in the winds, and uh, we explored some stuff in the winter, went hot springing, so that was a lot of fun. And then I yeah, went up to Canada this last uh, fall and hung out at his house, scared some of his neighbors on my unicycle. We made a mixtape with my trombone in his oven. It was a good old time. Dude, so. <laughs> you, came, uh, you came up for my 30th. Yeah, dirty 30. Then I had to okay, leave so... <laughs> before we even had fun because I'd go to Peru. But yeah. let, me tell, let, me, let me tell your audience what happened. So it's my 30th birthday. And it was like six weeks into me dating the girl that's now my girlfriend. And this homie from Wyoming shows up and he's riding a six foot unicycle down my street playing a trombone. And there was actually a real estate showing going on three houses down. So this real estate agent is trying to sell this house to these people. And they didn't buy the house because they didn't want to live on a street with someone with some with someone riding a <laughs> unicycle around playing trombone. And it's what is it, May? It's it's six or eight months later now, and that house is still sitting empty. <laughs> <laughs> Dead serious. Yeah, so that's just a lesson to you all. Never invite me over. Okay. <laughs> or invite you over because we still have less people living on our street than we would have which we don't hey want there you go so there you go you don't have any boring neighbors so that's what's up yeah. all right so yeah anyway uh what we're gonna talk about a little bit today is something that i get asked so much in dms and stuff and that is just bro how do you how'd you grow on instagram bruh how'd you get such a following bruh how can i grow my gram and 2020. I feel like Ben is the perfect person to talk about that because he is a big Ben, both in terms of height and personality and Instagram following. So yeah, we're just going to talk about that a little bit with him and his social media strategy, advice he has, that type of stuff. Yeah. uh, I'm not going to pretend like I 
think I don't have followers or something, and I'm not gonna also pretend like I think I have the biggest account in the world, because, I mean, I do have followers. I have uh, just over 400,000 now, but uh, I continue to compete with people that simply have more than me, and there's people in our field with, you know, up to 10 million followers, and it's like, how do you, how do you justify working as like a photographer when you only have 400,000 followers when you're in competition with someone who's 10 million? Um, but really at the end of the day, there are a lot of very, very good photographers out there that don't have a lot of followers and there are even select photographers that have massive followings and aren't that good and you know maybe bought their following or, or something like that but um, yeah like a lot of a lot of people seem to be writing off this a lot of people seem to be writing off the importance of having a following or dumbing it down and pretending like it's not important when really it is like each follower each each number like say I have 407,000 followers. Each of those followers is a real person uh, that's looking at your work at least every now and again. So I might have 400,000 followers, but on a regular basis, each post reaches between 15 and 30,000 people, or you know, that's how many likes it gets, that's how much engagement it's getting. Um, that's that's pretty good. It could be higher, it could be lower. I mean, I like to think that if I deleted my Instagram today, I could still continue to work as a commercial photographer and also work locally for companies, that kind of thing. But yeah, like I said, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that you shouldn't worry about it. Um, but I'm also gonna tell you that it's not something you should put all of your time and energy into. Uh, I think a lot of people just straight up are emotionally validated by the amount of followers they have rather than looking at it as another stream of income in their photography business. I think if you're approaching it from that standpoint, looking at your follower count as an income stream rather than a point of personal validation you can be objective with it and let it do its thing and not be obsessive with it and not let it run your life and when that happens you can truly be creative and watch it grow i think if you really want to grow on instagram stop thinking about growing on instagram and start thinking about how you can offer something unique to the Instagram community. What is it about your photography that's different and provide consistency? So your unique voice, your unique visuals, that's first and foremost, and then actually publishing those on a regular basis. I think if you do those two things, uh, for example, my friend Emmett Sparling, he posts every day I know, I was going to talk about that, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, and he'll like, sometimes he'll skip a day, 
um, but he he posts pretty much every day. He's been super successful. His consistency has worked for him. Uh, so he has a he has a particular style of photos and an amazing consistency, and he's grown uh, far beyond even what I told him. I remember when he had 50k on Instagram, I said, bro, within a year and a bit, you're going to have 500k. And he's like, I don't believe you. And then it happened. And he's like, okay, I believe you. <laughs> now he's at seven, close to 700,000. It's, it's amazing to see. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I like what you're saying about uh, people always write off like social media is not being important. And it's like, oh, it's just all about your content. And in reality, like if you're trying to make a living as a full-time photographer, you need a source of marketing and you also need as many income streams as possible. And having a following can do both of that. Like for one, and, and I also think it is really important to have both good content and be good on social media. Um, because if you have either one of those missing, you're just going to be weak because if you have, you know, 500,000 followers, but your work is just trash and it's just obvious you bought them and stuff, no one's going to work with you because I mean, they're going to know it's fake. They're not going to want to hire you for anything because your stuff doesn't work. People probably aren't engaged with it. And at the same time, if you have incredible work, but you don't have much of a following or anything, that's also going to be rough because for one, it's going to be harder for people to discover you. Um, you won't have very good marketing for that. So the amount of work you're going to get is significantly less. And then for two, you're not going to be able to promote like your products or courses or whatever you're doing and other people's stuff on there, which is just a loss of an income stream, which if you are an amazing photographer, you will likely have. So yeah, that's, good point there yeah absolutely um yeah so we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a minute but really quick i just wanted to hear a quick summary of your life story because you have a really cool story about you know how you went from a completely different field and plumbing construction to becoming a full-time lifestyle photographer yeah uh, it's been a really fun journey uh i'm 30 years old now I bought my first camera when I was 26 years old after already having completed a decade in a career that has nothing to do with this one. So when I was 16, my mom told me, I was, I was, still, in, I was still in high school, and my mom told me, well, you don't have any plans. How about you just go do this plumbing program my high school had? So my mom said it. I went and did it, and it was really great. And actually, I actually kind of enjoyed it. And by the time I became self-employed, I mean plumbing was plumbing was an amazing thing to do. Um, I was working for myself, just driving around, putting in hot water heaters, and making my own money, and uh, it was fantastic. And all of a sudden. I lifted a hot water tank that was just a bit too heavy and it was a career ending injury. Um, so after I incurred that injury, my best friend lent me his camera because my rehab was I needed to do a lot of walking 
And I went around and I was walking around the North Shore Mountains and taking photos of foggy trees and cabins with this camera and just sort of got hooked on it. Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny actually, like I probably shot 10 different photo shoots with that camera. Only one of them really turned out, but I still enjoyed it and the reward of that one photo shoot that actually kind of turned out super super rewarding and that's what kind of kicked it off for me so yeah I was 26 years old when I bought my first Canon 6D and I used that camera I only had that body and just one lens and that's all I used for like a year and a half it's just that one camera system so yeah, fast forward to about age 27. So I'd been <laughs> I'd been a photographer for like a year. <laughs> and I went full time. So yeah, within about a year of buying my first camera, I was able to go full time because of what we're talking about here and that's because I managed to grow an Instagram following. I think I grew a hundred thousand in my first year. And that's what enabled me to become a full-time photographer was just via my Instagram and the reach I was getting from that. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I, I remember you saying you hadn't shot for that long and yeah, we kind of related to each other cause you know, I have a similar story, like kind of getting into neuroscience pre-med stuff and then quitting to do this and within like a year becoming a full-time photographer but yeah that's awesome story like I, I feel like a lot of the amazing photographers I know got started in a field that doesn't involve photography at all and then they're like way more successful than the majority of people I know who actually went to school for photography or studied this like for example like Carl Shakur I mean he um he actually has a master's degree in architectural engineering. There's wow. you with the plumbing. I did neuroscience. Just take that as inspiration that just because you're doing one thing with your life now, that doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. And if you find you're passionate about something else, you can always switch and make that change and very oftentimes be successful. So yeah, don't be scared to make a little change in your life. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, man, it's... It's wild how many people in our industry are self-taught. Oh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, though, because, you know, back in, like, 1980, like, you kind of had to go to a school or find someone to be an apprentice for or, like, learn stuff from books. We They didn't have YouTube and Skillshare and, like, the millions of resources online to learn new stuff whereas now you can just do like a youtube search for camera basics you can go search for how to make good compositions with landscape photography lightroom tutorial like all that stuff and now like every creator and their grandma has an online course now so <laughs> just yeah. makes it so easy to like learn stuff on your own in 2020 but and also i feel like a huge part of learning is just practicing and figuring out what works and doesn't work like I've learned so much more from just 
exploring the world with a camera and playing around in Lightroom and looking at other people's stuff than I ever would have in some kind of formal course. So yeah, that's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think there's this, there's definitely this correlation between all of our inability to sit through a formal education. <laughs> that's so true. And our success as these weird nomadic social media photographer type people. Um, I mean, I do have a four-year post-secondary education, but the reality of that education is that I sat in class for six months a year, and the rest of it was hands-on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and then with mine, I, I don't want to say my education was, like, completely useless, but sometimes I feel like it. Like, I mean, I studied yeah. neuroscience, and I was going to be a doctor, and Luckily, it didn't take a huge amount of my time because I graduated early and everything. Like, I finished... That was supposed to be a five-year degree. I finished in three years. Um, but Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so glad I'm not sitting in med school right now. But, yeah, let's get back on topic to what we're talking about. So, um, I mean, that was really good. I don't know. but Yeah, I, I, definitely, have, I definitely have something else I want to say sure, about it. Sure, sure. Go for it. So many people in our industry are flying around the world taking the exact same photos that have already been taken just in worse lighting and hacking out a living posting the same compositions that they stole from somebody else and it absolutely fascinates me and these people like doing that kind of thing are growing on social media I mean it sucks that that's true, but it's happening. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I could I could pretend like that's not happening and try to say to your followers and your audience, like, you have to be original. But there are people going around copying each other, hacking out careers in this. Um, and the fact that that's possible is just blowing my mind. And all I can really say about it is, like, please just do what you think it, like, the, please just take the photos that, like, you think it are beautiful. Like, I think, I think for the person that is asking, like, how do I grow on social media? The, the truth of the matter is, you can just copy all of these very famous compositions and fly around the world doing that and kind of eke out a career traveling and you know something like that but when you wake up in 30 years and realize that all you did was just fly around the world and copy people's photos and claim them as your own I mean I don't think that deep down you're going to be satisfied with your work and that really makes me sad. That's one of the most disappointing things about this profession is that there's so many people in it that don't care about creativity. They just care about followers. They just care about building that side of their business and growing the, and the numbers of it. When adventure photography should be one of the most rewarding things that you can do as a person. You travel around the world. You meet fascinating people you experience all these different cultures you see 
uh, incredible biodiversity and all these different mountain ranges. And if it's for the sole purpose of just getting followers, like I, I, I really, really believe that that's just sad. You know, I, I think you're just going to make yourself uh, deeply regret the path of your life. And if, if it's possible to grow on social media while copying people, yet it's also possible to grow on social media while being yourself and not copying people and doing your own thing and really being creative and really loving it and doing this rewarding career and letting it be what it should be. I would definitely say choose that. I mean, if you can, <laughs> if you can figure out the type of photos that you really like to take, like for me, it's foggy photos. I love taking photos of cabins as, as long as I've <laughs> been conscious, <laughs> I've loved the, I've loved the cabin lifestyle and kind of that, <laughs> that whole, that whole look that was popular in 2016 that people think is so cringy. Well, I, I thought that look was cool 15 years ago and it just sort of emerged in 2016 as a popular image and then went away and and anything post 2016 that had a canoe and a cabin and a fire and a custom axe or something like that it was was considered you know cringeworthy but I just owned it because I actually liked it I have actually always liked the cabin life I've always liked you know going to the lake and the fog and the still like moody nature and I've grown up in that and I always just really just loved it for what it was and when when it became cringeworthy to care about stuff like that I just doubled down on it and I think people really appreciated the fact that I took that I took what they would consider a 2016 aesthetic and just brought it forward in time and uh, added like a modern, uh, I, I made a modern iteration of what that uh, hipster 2016 cabin aesthetic was and made it look like something more clean. I think that's what I've landed on as a style. I think what I, I think what I gained from just being honest with myself is this actual style, this particular, this particular type of thing that I'm known for shooting like uh, I'm not this I'm not widely known as this guy that shoots amazing colors or you know amazing sunrises and uh, all these sorts of things I, I'm more known for shooting these like quiet moments and rainy days and these sorts of things uh, like I remember when you and I <laughs> you know we went to totally. Lake O'Hara we went to Lake O'Hara and that was like one of the best shoots of my life. And I don't think you even used a photo. I haven't yet. I, I might eventually, but yeah, that's one thing is for sure. Um, is I'd encourage everyone to kind of find your own style that you personally just love and think is awesome. Like, yeah, I feel like so many people just see that kind of, I don't know, faded 
you know, just like the style that's in now. And they just shoot that just because it's like what's in and trending and they don't genuinely like it. Whereas like with you, you genuinely like that kind of desaturated, foggy, kind of blue tinted vibey stuff. Whereas with me, I, I, it's funny. I feel like we have just absolutely completely different styles because what oh, yeah. I, what I like shooting is like really bright, vibrant, like colorful landscapes with a nice sunny sky. And I don't know. I just like that. I just feel like I like color in the world. I like seeing everything vibrant and happy and, and that's fine too. I think it's just a matter of finding your style and sticking with that. I think when people see one of your photos, they should know it's yours before they even look at the name behind it. And once you're able to do that and put forth a style, no matter what you're shooting, that's when you're really going to start seeing success. And, uh, a lot of brands and a lot of people who will want to work with you, um, are looking for consistency. They want to know that if you're shooting something for them, that you'll, that the stuff you shoot for them will be the same stuff that you shot for this other brand and the same stuff that you shot on your Insta. Like it's people just like seeing a nice consistent style with you that is high quality and that you're dependable. And I feel like if your style is just all over the place, people don't really know what to expect. And you're just not going to grow as well on Insta. You're not going to get as many brand deals. So yeah, your style is super distinct. And honestly, even though it's not like my personal preference for style, I really like it. And I love just looking at your stuff. I feel like, yeah, it's just like, it just creates an emotion in you of like a calm lake or it, it just makes you feel like you're somewhere just chilling in the Pacific Northwest. So oh, yeah, I've got... I love that. Uh, I've got some more thoughts on this whole how do you grow on social media thing. So check this out, dude. All right, sure. Um, the relationship of working as a social media influencer or like advertiser for companies and how that uh, how that relates to uh, growing on Instagram. So obviously, you don't want to take like crappy jobs and alienate your audience right yeah for sure i totally you feel want to like make money if you're anything <laughs> like you me want... oh yeah if you're anything like me you probably get like 50 dms a week from all these companies like wanting you to promote their horrible essential oils and stuff like that or yeah yeah stuff that'll just like make people lose trust in you if that's what you're talking about yeah <laughs> my manager and i have this funny uh, like inside joke that's uh, if the email subject line has a fire emoji in it, delete it. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to make an app. We want to make an app for social media influencers that just automatically deletes all pitches that arrive in your inbox with a fire emoji in this email subject line. <laughs> that's so funny. So, it's so true. So we'll get, like, okay. It's like so for people. For people listening that don't have context, uh, I always get these emails with a fire emoji in the subject line, and then it'll be some like job for something like 30 times less pay than my standard rate to advertise this thing that no one will ever use. And uh, usually it's like fire emoji. Uh, 
tongue out with work, money. <laughs> paid paid uh, promotion opportunity, and then I'll have like a, a money emoji at the end of it. <laughs> and I'll just read through them for a laugh. And I think if you want to grow your social, <laughs> really, really, really got to reject those offers. Oh, absolutely. If, uh, yeah, if something, if something isn't going to relate to your audience in any way, first of all, you're doing the person you're advertising for to service because you're cognizant of the fact that you're taking their money to advertise to someone who doesn't want to buy their product. And secondly, you're never going to get that end goal because how are you going to grow your audience if your first ad is just alienating half the people who follow you? Uh, so I only work with companies that I can vet and that I think are like really just really sick. Like, uh, I've done multiple campaigns with Eddie Bauer. Um, and like the product, I just love the, like actually love the product. Like the jackets are so sick and the variety they come in is like perfect for what I was already doing before I was even working with them. For um, sure. I feel like I, that's really important to like work with brands that you would use whether or not you're promoting them. And then also that you can like include in your feed without even making it look like an ad. Like for example, yeah, I, totally. I just did a two sponsored posts for this company called Oclu. And do yeah. you guys remember seeing those Oclu posts? You probably didn't because they, unless you read into the caption, they probably just look like regular posts. It was just this little action cam. I took a couple pictures with it. I just showed its quality. Like it looked like something I would use anyway. And then with like Saks underwear, um, which I oh yeah just posted after at, at the time you're hearing this I will have just posted um, yeah like you know that's just a picture of me sitting in a hot spring vibin like it doesn't even look like an ad it's just but at the same time a lot of the people could benefit from the swim trunks I'm wearing because it's like you know something you'd use in the outdoors anyway something that's high quality built well to withstand adventures so yeah promote stuff like that don't promote like. Grant Grammy Mamas essential oils or like some kind of <laughs> cool or like some kind of like crazy fidget spinners that only like 12 year olds would buy like you know like keep your ads relevant <laughs> keep your ads relevant to what you're doing dude I hope I get an email from Grammy Mamas essential oils <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it's always that's, like a pyramid scheme. It's like someone in a pyramid scheme like <laughs> wanting you to sell that. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I broke okay, back to the point back to the point I was making. Like if you if you're expecting a girl on social and you take Grammy Mamas essential oils job for seventy two dollars uh Canadian uh to pay your phone bill, I mean well, great, you just paid your phone bill, but you also alienated your audience, and you'll never grow your social because everyone just tapped out. But, yeah, and then uh, your Instagram that's... is, like, less valuable, and in the long run, you're going to be making less money because then yeah. it's your audience is less valuable to people, and even though you made a yeah. quick 72 bucks, it's like, yeah, you're 
like then some other company like that's big, like Eddie Bauer might not want to work with you because they see all of your stupid ads for Grammy Mamaw's essential oils. So, yeah. Yeah. And maybe Eddie Bauer will be disincentivized to work with you because they're coming out with their own essential oils on. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Like that sax job was actually such a dream. Like, I just, so obviously like I'm known as the fog photographer. So I went out and I took photos of me using the product in the fog. And then, oh, lo and behold, I post the set and it does really well because I'm not taking up every ad and inundating my followers with advertisements and then when I do post an ad it's totally on brand and some of my best work and something that people are already like expecting to see from me they're expecting to see the fog that you know place it around Chilliwack and you know they're expecting to see me doing my thing in the outdoors and well they got what they were expecting and um, you know it's not like they wanted to be it's not like they woke up thinking oh I hope I get advertised to today but they will respect the fact that you didn't just shove something down their throat that they don't want and that you can actually speak to the value of the product and I've got I've got I mean I remember looking it up and I had I had at one point I think I had, I think even back when I had less than 200k there was something like 33,000 people following me who had the word photography in their bio and like 45 or 50,000 people who had recently posted a caption with the word adventure in it. So it's like these people that I'm advertising to, (laughs) I'm advertising adventure clothing to are actually already outside adventuring. And that's better for Saks because I'm advertising these shorts for them that are for hiking and adventuring to people who want to know what the best hiking and adventuring clothing is. And it's just, that's so much more like getting back to rewarding. Like that is so much more rewarding than just, you know, I'm flying around the world copying everybody's photos and, posting 10 ads a month for Grammy Mamas and just paying for flights and not saving any money. That's such a more rewarding lifestyle. Yeah, it might take you three years to get there. Yeah, it might take you five years to get there. But once you've completed that process, it's three or five years long, you're actually left with a viable, rewarding business model and not just some crap that you see plastered all over social media just yeah so true trash is posted all over social media that people are clearly just posting because they need the likes yeah totally i feel you there i'm definitely level up boys i'm definitely trying to do that too i feel like i mean i definitely do like copy a lot of compositions like you know some places it's just like there's only one composition that makes sense but yeah as often as possible i try to either put my own unique twist on something or 
you know, shoot an area differently or I, especially here in Wyoming, I'm trying to find more places that not everyone's been to. Like the other day, my friend and I went to these crazy red rocks, uh, back behind the Tetons that probably nobody even knows about. And it looks like Utah with the Tetons in the background. It's crazy, but yeah, that's, that's so awesome. Sick. Yeah. Moving forward. I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, I feel like Insta is so different in 2015 from 2020. So you know, just now, what advice would you have for people to grow? Because I know one thing a lot of people always talk about and always flip out about is like, oh, the algorithm, the algorithm's killing everything. I hate the algorithm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just what advice do you have for growing on Insta in 2020? 2020 is a super interesting time. And yeah, about that algorithm, the pesky little <laughs> algorithm. Oh, oh my algorithm. goodness. The algorithm is ruining my life. But the bottom line is there's people who benefit from the algorithm because their content is good. And there's people that suffer from the algorithm because their content is bad. Exactly. So have content. Have good content. I remember when the algorithm first came out and people were like, oh, I'm not growing on Instagram anymore. And I was growing like 1,200 a day because I just kept hitting the algorithm. I was like, why are you guys complaining about this? Just post your best work. You know, if you want to be like some niche creative person, then just post your niche creative things and don't worry about your followers. But if you want to worry about followers, you have to cater to your audience, post your best work and actually capitalize on the algorithm, which is built for the sole purpose of promoting the work that is best and silencing the work that is worse. That's why whenever you open up your Instagram, there's a brand new a photo of some old friends of yours that just got engaged because Instagram knows, okay, this post is getting a lot of comments. Okay, this post is getting a lot of likes. We're going to send it to more people. We don't necessarily know why that is. It's not like they have an algorithm for engagements. It just makes engagements and proposals and weddings climb to the top of your feed. No, they're actually monitoring, you know, how many comments did it get in the first, you know, 10 minutes? Okay, that's a, that's a bunch. Um, well, let's send it out to a few more people. Okay, it's getting even more comments. All right, this is viral content. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, at the at the peak level of the algorithm. It's rumored that there are five levels to the algorithm. Uh, there's like five, five being the least reach and one being the most reach. Um, yeah, and then my advice for that question is, I feel like one thing that's really important is like, find a niche like I feel like everyone these days just wants to be like the travel photographer the adventure photographer but the thing is there's there's like hundreds of thousands of people doing that like everyone and their grandma even Grammy Mama she's a she's an adventure <laughs> photographer now like there's just so many people traveling the world doing all this and really I feel like to build an engaged good following you need to narrow that down to a niche that fewer people are shooting. Um, like for example, if you want, like with, like with me, I really try to just, even though I do travel a ton, I try to kind of focus on this area. Like I want to be like the Wyoming guy, like when people want to see stuff from Wyoming or like have travel inspiration, want to know the places to go here. I want them to be like, Oh, I'll just go check out David rules page. And then I feel like just like owning a region or owning like a niche, like maybe, I don't know, taking fruit photography or like, 
photography of midgets in exotic places. I don't know. Like that's when you're going to stand out from the rest and kind of have your own niche. Like I get so many DMS a day from people just like, Oh, Hey, you're like the Wyoming guy. Where should I go here? Oh, what are your recommendations for Yellowstone? Oh, any like cool lakes for fishing I should check out. And then like, you know, when people come into town, like Carl Shakur and big Ben here, like they hit up me because I try to just own this place. And then this last, uh, this last winter I was in a video that beautiful destinations was producing and they hit me up cause they're like, Oh, it looks like, you know, this area. So yeah, I mean, that's easier here than other places. Like I, I found out I'm actually the third most followed person in all of Wyoming. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> right, dude. Right. Who was the first and second? First is Jimmy Chin, obviously. <laughs> and then second, <laughs> Where does he, live? he lives in Wilson, which is, it's like the bougie part of Jackson. It's like right next oh, to yeah. the Tetons. And then, yeah. uh, uh, Elise Stirk, she's round the world girl. Uh, she actually went to my high school. We weren't there at the same time because wow. she was like older, but yeah. And then our moms are like best friends, but yeah, Elise is from Pinedale. She has like 200 something crazy. odd K, but yeah, crazy. <laughs> but that's crazy. But all I'm saying is like, you should really like own an area, like don't, or not just an area, but like any kind of niche, like do whatever you can to not just be another travel or adventure photographer. Like, like, yeah. Ben, he's all about like the Pacific Northwest, Canada, at anywhere with fog. Like if you want to see fog pictures, go to Ben's. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, anyway, that was some awesome advice. So thanks for potting with me today. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Thank anyway, you. go check out Ben on Insta at Big Ben. And also, even more importantly than his real page, you're going to want to go follow his meme page. If you didn't know, Big Ben, he is a meme lord, okay? Yeah. He, he, he has the best meme page on Insta. It's at Big Memes. So, yeah, if if even if you don't follow his real one, you, you need to follow his meme page because that's, that's all that really matters. So, yeah. anyway, at, yeah. <laughs> the handle for that is at ITS... B-I-G memes, so it at its big memes. Um, it's it's a crazy political time right now, and I'm attacking both sides of the aisle, so come along. Yeah, that, I, I love that meme page. Um, but yeah, anyway, thank you so much for potting with me, and just as we end every podcast, I need you to tell me your best dad joke. So, you're from, you're from Wyoming, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mountains. You got lots of mountains there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mountains uh, are, are pretty funny there, hey? Yeah. But honestly, they're just hilarious. <laughs> that was like... Wow. Okay, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was so hilarious. Yeah, mountains are hill areas, bro. If, if only so that can make areas. me laugh as hard as Grammy Mama's essential oils could. <laughs> Grammy Mama, <laughs> Grammy Mama's essential oils. Make sure you follow It's Big Ben and Grammy Mama's essential oils, and uh, yeah, and it'll be good. Yeah, buy your Grammy Mama's essential oils link in bio. You can buy it right link next to. <laughs> you can buy it right next to my new color bundle. It comes with a $2,000 giveaway. You can have all kinds of colors. 
<laughs> Everyone's doing those. It's like low key you annoying. Went there. Oh, I love that you went there. <laughs> I went there. Ooh, did I just burn myself on that hot take? Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. Thanks for coming and have fun in Canada with your free healthcare and Monopoly money. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bro. Later, bro.